hour session and I was so mad. Okay. So exit recording. All right. Hit record. There you go. Okay. So let me pull up my lesson. One second. Adjust all my screens again. There I go. That in the corner. Put my presentation over here. Okay. Okay, Okay. so now let me switch. Switch my screens. All right. Okay, can you see my presentation now? Yes, ma'am. Okay, awesome. So we are on session five, the New Testament canon. The last time we were together, we um, did a review on session one through four, talked about the discipleship and Old Testament and the canon and what is the Bible and what does it um, consist of and things like that. So now we're going to continue looking at the New Testament canon, some cool fun facts about the Testament, New Testament canon. So um, in your book, like I said, on page... Uh, 22 um, is where we are um, picking up the, the New Testament. Um, so from 22 to 26, as you see, it's not really a long reading in the book. So I'm adding on more information for you all. Okay. So that's why it's important to pull up your notes, got some charts and things like that. So you all can look at. So um, let's see here. That's the quiz. So we won't go through that. See, it's a longer quiz. <laughs> Let's see if we did the review. Um, I think the Lord saved y'all this time for that long quiz, but y'all still struggled. Amen. Sorry. <laughs> so on, um, let's see, on page 22. Um, so while in the origins of the New Testament canon are sometimes um, difficult to discern, um, we know more about the New Testament canon. Um, as was the case with the Old Testament, this was a gradual process that took place over 100 years. So the reality is that serious Bible students must recognize that the Bible as we know it today has come through a strenuous process, okay? So as was the case with the Old Testament scriptures, the writings of the New Testament seem to have emerged from a lively oral culture. Um, we talked about um, the, um, the scriptures being transmitted orally um, weeks ago um, with the Old with the Old Testament, how it was passed down. Uh, it wasn't passed down through written tradition yet. It was um, passed down through oral tradition within like, it, it was passed down, I think it was like 2000 years, just passed down story to story, just passed down from you know generation to generation. So the focus on early Christian faith was not a set of writings. It was a proclamation of the death and re resurrection of Jesus and of its significance for human beings. In addition to the central proclamation, individuals of individual saying of Jesus seem to have been um, preserved and handed over, particularly for use in moral exhortation. So it was a, I was I was doing some uh, extra reading, and um, it was a point that they they made as far as why um, scripture was passed down orally rather than. Um, rather than written down is because, you know, with the, the, 
the, I guess they were called the Israelites. They weren't Jews yet, but the Israelites, they were, um, they didn't have the skill or the, or the ability to write. So of course things were passed down through, through the oral, oral tradition. And so you have to think during that time, the, the cultures that were really booming were the Egyptians, you got the Mesopotamian, you got all of the, um, the, uh, the ancient and Near Eastern um, religions at that time, they were really booming. But Israel, the Israelites or the Jews um, at that time were, a lot of them were in slavery. They were of low, uh, low poverty, things like that. So they did not have the ability um, to write. They were kind of like illiterate or whatnot. And so it, it's no coincidence that the first person to write scripture down uh, besides God writing um, with his finger on the tablets um, was Moses because he was raised as an Egyptian and they had a lot of um, skills that a lot of cultures didn't have. They, they had, um, we talked about papyrus, they had paper, they, they had um, a, a top educational system. Um, so um, because Moses grew up in the palace. He had the top education. He was um, schooled. And so um, that's one of the reasons why they believe that Moses was one of the, the, you know, one of the first people to write because of his education. Any other Israelite were kind of, they were illiterate. They didn't have that skill or ability. So I thought that was a really interesting point because I never thought about that. Um, let's see here. So. Um, but going back to the New Testament, um, so the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were um, orally transmitted. And it was orally transmitted for about 25 years before they were written down. Um, let me see here. No, not that slide. Uh, before they were written down. So they were shared orally um, to church to church. So the writings of the Gospels weren't written until after the fall of the temple in 70 A.D., so it was about 40 years after Jesus' death um, that the, the, the scriptures were start, starting to, to be written. So Mark was written about 50 AD, 20 years after his death. So the only author um, who really identified themselves as writing their, their book or writing their scripture was Luke. Um, you can see in scripture, he always referenced himself, I, Luke, you know, the physician, or I, Luke, uh, giving a report or whatever. And Luke, he identifies his, his audience. He was writing to Theophilus. Now, Theophilus could be a particular person named Theophilus, or Theophilus could also mean a group of people because the word Theophilus means lovers of God. So it could be uh, one person named Theophilus, or it could be a group of people, uh, which he um, used to term Theophilus, lovers of God. Those who believed in Jesus Christ, he wrote to the unbelieving Greeks those who were coming over to uh, coming into to believe in Jesus Christ. So um, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, another fact is that many of the general and Pauline epistles were written before the gospels. So if in, uh, so it's important to, to really know that point as well. So the earliest um, Christians were in no doubt that their message about Christ could be found in what we call the Old Testament. 
even when the early Christians began composing written accounts of their faith, they probably didn't think that they were writing a new set of sacred scripture. We looked at, um, I didn't mean to go to that slide. Yeah, I'm sorry, you guys. Um, we looked at a video um, by Kate Author, and she was giving her viewpoint on um, do we believe that the apostles or um, any of the writers, did they write, actually know that they were writing scripture and things like that? And it was kind of like a yes and no answer. Um, they knew they were writing down something important, but they didn't know that it will be in the state that it's in now as far as like in a book and using, and using it as a guide um, for the church even unto to today. So um, there were two sets of events. Let's go here now. There were two sets of events that have encouraged the writing down of the earliest Christian um, proclamation. So the first one you can find on page 22 is the death of the apostolic generation. So as those who had known Jesus after the flesh passed away, it must have been seen vital to record their testimony for future generations. So that's one reason. And the next reason is destruction of the temple in 70 AD. So this catastrophe not only hastened the break between the Christian community and Judaism, but it also involved the dispersal of Christian church in Jerusalem, which had been an important center of evangelism. So this event may also um, encourage Christians to record their beliefs and writings and to collect those writings in a single body of scripture. So one thing when I was sitting here reviewing the notes, um, before class, um, I found something really interesting that um, Jesus, he died between 30 to 33 AD. Okay. So that means 40 years after he died, um, set in 70 AD, that's when the temple was destroyed. And we know as um, believers, we know when we see the number 40, it means trials, means tro probation. It means that something new is about to happen. Something is about to start. You know, we know 40 days, Jesus fasted for 40 days. That was the beginning of his ministry, the, the trial period, the probation period uh, before he actually started his ministry. We know that the Israelites, they were in the wilderness for 40, 40 years. Um, the number 40 also appears, you know, with the, with it rained 40 days and 40 nights. The number 40 is very significant. So I thought that was really interesting from the point that, that um, Jesus um died until 70 AD that was 40 years and 40 years destroying the temple a lot of things were abolished priesthood was abolished um sacrifices were abolished tithing was abolished there was a lot of things that were going on during that time that still kind of represented the old the old way that was abolished at that time um so i thought that was a really interesting um fact so all right let's see here <clears throat> Let's see, uh, let's see, how do we know what sacred writings were to be included in the canon of scripture? So there were three widely recognized principles uh, for validations in the New Testament scripture. Um, in the Old Testament, we looked at four validations um, that they had to, that the scripture had to agree with in order for them to put it in the Bible in order to be canonized. So these are three, um, three standards that they, uh, that they use um, in order for them to consider a book um, to be canonized. So the writings had to have recognized a prophet or apostle as its author or one associated with them. The writing could not disagree nor contradict previous scripture 
The writings had to have general consensus by the church as an inspired book, okay? So these were the criterias that they used in order to, to decide whether, you know, certain books will be um, in the Bible or not. So uh, let's see here. Did Paul know um, what he was writing? Um, did he know that he was writing scripture? So who decided that his letters um, were going to be scripture? So we're going to look at this chart here. We looked at this chart last time, um, the, the timeline of church history. And this is so important. Um, I'm going to bring up this chart and a lot of like future te teachings of the church. And so you see that Jesus was born between 4 to 6 B.C., um, so he died between 30 to 33 AD and by hundred AD, all the books were written. And the last book that was written was the book of revelation. The first book that was written is the book of James. Okay. So, um, we're going to talk a little bit. This is mostly for next week between 100 to 300 AD, looking at the church bishops, the church bishops are considered the followers of the apostles. So the followers of Paul, the followers of Peter, they were considered church bishops or early church fathers. Okay. So you're going to hear that term a lot. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they are important um, in putting together the Bible. And we're going to talk about some other things as well. Um, the event with Diocletian ordered the most vicious persecution of Christians in the last two years of his reign. He commanded that all church buildings destroyed, worship was prohibited, and scriptures burned during that time. Um, so that's why you read a lot in, in the book of Hebrews where it talks about, you know, forsake not the assembly and all that stuff. Because during that time, um, I guess he was, telling, he was telling them there's going to be a time where you're going to be scattered um, you're going to be running, trying to come together and worship, and that's going to be prohibited. He was, you know, telling them that, you know, look out for these times or whatnot. Um, and then 400, uh, no, 312 AD, that's when uh, Christianity was, uh, was declared an official state religion by Constantine. And in 400, <clears throat> the rise of the Roman Catholic Church, um, the biblical canon that we know um, today, finally was closed during that time, Okay. So this is uh, something that I'm going to always be referencing. So it's in your Dropbox, and I'll make sure I have paper copies tomorrow, okay? All right. So um, so between a 50-year period, between 45 and 100 AD is when all 27 of the books in our Protestant canon were written. It covers from 6 BC to 100 AD, which is a little over 100 years. The first book that was written in the New Testament was James in 45 AD. And we're going to talk about later how this book was really disputed with the early church fathers. They didn't want to put the book of James in there because of some things that he taught was, um, was contradicting the teachings of Paul. So we're going to talk about that. Um, the last book written was the book of Revelation in 100 AD by John when he was exiled to the island of Patmos. Okay. So um, as we know, our book is not in chronological order. Our book, our Bible is organized in a thematic way. Um, thematic in terms of New Testament Jewish history. So since Jesus is first, he was born first. Uh, so they put the four gospels first, then the books about the church afterwards. The sound went out. Is it just on my end? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yes, we can hear you clearly. Okay. I can hear you. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, 
Hopefully, it'll come back for you. Yeah, hear me. Yes, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Can so you hear me? Yes, we can it, hear you. Yeah, it must be your signal or something, maybe. Um, hopefully, yeah, maybe the yeah, spot or something, but hopefully it'll it'll clear up momentarily. Um, so from a hundred to three hundred um, A.D., we read the writings of our church of our ch early church fathers. Okay, so why were the church fathers? They were influential. Uh, first, first, want to talk about who they were. So like I told you, they were the followers of the apostolic fathers. So they lived in the same time of the 12 apostles and students of Peter and Paul. Um, they were the second generation church leaders. So you will hear them call early church fathers. You will hear them call bishops. Um, so why were they important? Because a lot of their teachings influenced us. A lot of their writings were considered, but not placed in the Bible. So um, they put the New Testament in the order that we have now. Um, so this is the faith community that put together the Protestant canon, okay? So remember the definition of canon is authoritative list of scripture approved by faith community. So they were the faith community that approved the list of scriptures that we have now. Oh, my chest hurt. Um, so they, um, they were around, let's say, 100 to 200 AD. So this is the faith community that put the Protestant canon together. It took about, let's see, it took about 300 years to canonize the, the New Testament. And another reason why the church fathers were inf influential was the doctrine of Trinity was developed by the early church fathers. If you do a search in the Bible for Trinity, can't find it because it, it wasn't not in the Bible. So they developed this, um, this uh, theology of um, the Trinity, the doctrine of Trinity. So you cannot find the term of Trinity, but you can find it in Ignatius' writings. So if you do Trinity, do a search on Trinity Ignatius, you can find his writings. You can read about it, about the Trinity. Um, also, let's see here, the term Christian, I think we talked about this before, is found in the Bible, but in derogatory sense. But these fathers made it acceptable for the faith community to be identified as Christians, but it was derogatory as the N-word, the unbelieving Jews and Gentiles start calling the believers Christian. So it wasn't the believers calling each other Christians. It was the, it was the Gentiles and the unbelieving Jews started calling um, the Christians, um, start calling the believers or the disciples Christians. And um, so while the Roman Empire was uh, persecuting the Christian church, uh, they wrote a letter to the Roman leaders basically telling them like, hey, you guys are starting all this trouble. Uh, we about to kill all y'all. And so uh, they, the uh, early church fathers wrote a letter back. He gave them a list of people that you can kill <laughs> as far as he said that if they're not practicing, um, practicing this Christianity, um, uh, so they're considered disciples. If they're following Christianity, the, the walk, the works of Jesus Christ, they were considered disciples, but if they believe, but they, they weren't practicing, they say, you can kill them. Don't kill us, but you can kill these folks here or whatever. So I thought that was a very interesting fact. Um, so the establishment of Christianity, Christianity, like I said, um, came on the scene about 312 AD by Constantine, um, the uh, em emperor of Rome. So he developed a council of Nicaea 
um, because he was tired um, of those going back and forth trying to decide what book needs to belong in the Bible. So he called all the scholars together and he said he just want one book. And, and he was the one that commissioned the first Bible. And in that first Bible, it only had 18 New Testament books. Okay. So here, here is um, a chart. Um, it's, it's called the New Testament as it gained acceptance by the early church. So we know in 100 AD, that's when the books were finally finished. Um, but they were collected and brought together by 150 AD. And so you can look through the list and see what books were approved and which books were disputed. Uh, we're going to talk about a little of this more next week. Um, but you can see how they disputed the book of Hebrews and James. And um, I've never even heard of the Shepherd of Aramaic. That, that was interesting. Um, they disputed John and Jude and things like that. So you see it took them over 300 years to finally uh, come up with a list. And there is also a book called the Gospel of Hebrews instead of just Hebrews. It's a book called the Gospel of Hebrews out there. Um, and there is a New Testament book of the wisdom of Solomon out there. So um, that's very interesting as well. So let's see here. So we're going to talk about why a few of these books were disputed. Okay. So, oh, this is also um, the New Testament structure and timeline. This is kind of similar of the Old Testament structure that I, um, that I showed some weeks ago. And I make sure that you have a copy of both um, tomorrow. Um, it shows you the history books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts are history. Then you have the letters, and then you have the, the prophet, book of prophecy. And you can see the timeline at the bottom. Um, that shows you, you know, when they were developed and, and things like that. So I'll make sure that you all have this chart, but this chart is in the Dropbox as well. Okay, so why were some of the books excluded? First is Hebrews. So in 250 AD, they thought Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but there was some contradictory principles that went against Paul's writing. Um, the, the teaching on justification was different. Um, Paul says, once saved, always saved, but Hebrews suggests that you can lose your salvation. Mm -hmm. So that's why that book was um, disputed amongst the early church fathers. Um, yeah, okay, so the next one is um, the book of James. So the book of James, um, he said that um, you are justified by your deeds and not by faith alone. But Paul teaches in Romans 3.28, a person is justified by their faith apart from their works of the law. Or Paul teaches in Romans 4 and 5, God justifies the ungodly. Both Abraham and, and David were justified by faith and not by their works. And there are some other reference scriptures. Um, also in, in Acts, I was doing a study on Acts today and um, this scripture was mentioned. Um, said when they heard, um, this is when Paul got together with the, um, the elders, um, and he was, um, talking about, you know, their progress on spreading the gospel and all that stuff. But he heard some things that were going on and said, when they heard, um, it, when they heard it, they began glorifying God. And they said to him, you see brothers, how many thousands are, uh, there 
are among the Jews of those who have believed and they are zealous for the law. Meaning that uh, James, he was teaching um, that, you know, you are saved through uh, when you believe in the law through Moses or whatever. So James, he wasn't, he didn't realize that actually salvation is not just for the Jews, but it was actually for the Gentiles as well. Uh, hold on, because I revised my notes and I have to open that. So I can tell you, um, I'm trying to go off the top of my head. So um, James, he wasn't aware that the um, salvation was for uh, the Gentiles. He thought it was just for the Jews because in the book of Matthew, um, Jesus said that um, he only came for the lost sheep of Israel. He didn't say anything about the Gentiles. Jesus only ministered to the Israelites. And um, if, if we were in the Bible days trying to listen to Jesus' teaching, we would be kicked out because we were considered, um, we were considered Gentiles or whatnot. And so they weren't aware that a salvation um, is for the Gentiles. And also you could be saved through the belief, believing of Jesus they thought Jesus came to revise the law, not to just fulfill it and um, move on to something new. They thought that Jesus was, was like the um, Jesus was like the new Moses um, instead of him instead of him preparing a new way or, or whatnot. So um, that's what the book of James. That's why it was kind of disputed. And during this time when you have to understand as well that during this time, um, they were coming from a dis dispensation of law into dispensation of grace. So they were still kind of, um, you know, learning about the new ways of Christ or whatnot. And this is what they considered the 40 year period where God was, um, will allow them to, to disperse and to start spreading the gospel and things like that. And so um, that's why a lot of a lot of things we see in scripture, we think it contradicts itself. But in all actuality, we have to know the timeline of Jesus, the timeline of Jesus Christ. And I mean, the timeline of the Bible um, and how things were falling into place. Um, so the, the downfall of our Protestant Bible is that it's not in chronological order. It's in a th thematic order. So you're reading it and you're thinking like everything is happening kind of like you know, in his time or whatnot, but you have to fill in the gaps with this, these historical um, keys as far as, well, James didn't know that salvation was available for the Jews. So there is no contradiction. And, it, and it's, it's the first book that was written. So he's um, going off of what he, what he knew or what he thought he knew at that time or whatnot. So that's, that's also um, why it was kind of disputed because they thought it was just contradicting, but it was the timeline or whatnot. Um, let me go to the next slide here. Um, with Jude, Jude was suspicious because it quoted from Enoch flat out. They was like, no. Um, but yeah. And also the gospel of Thomas, they eliminated that one because it told a different view about Jesus Christ. That was different from what Paul told about Jesus. And, uh, oh, it reminds me the chart that I, that I, um, gave you all this one. Um, there was an early church father that had his own list of scripture 
in between like 130 or 150 AD, his name was Marcion. So actually that was the first canon of scripture. And he only had 11 books in his Bible. Why? Because he believed, and this is in your book, um, he believed that um, he didn't like how um, God was portrayed in the Old Testament. So if any, um, any characteristics of God being this mean and evil God or whatever, if, if that was portrayed in any of the books, he would, he would take them out. So that's um, why he only had 11 books. And the only gospel he had in his book was the book of Luke. And I think you can read that story. I think it's on like page 24, I believe. My real book is not highlighted. My, uh, yep. Yes, on page 24, um, you can read about why he did not have, why he only had 11 books in his, um, in his canon, things like that. So I thought that was a really interesting point. He didn't like the Old Testament God. <laughs> he was like, no, I want the, the God of grace, the God of love to show or whatever. So that's why he took a lot of the books out. Okay. So um, the bishops of Nicaea, this is the group that decided what books belong to uh, the canon that we have today. Um, they, had, he had, they had a criteria for any of the books to be considered. He said, not making it into the Bible unless written by someone who personally knew Jesus or affiliated with those who knew Jesus, such as Luke. But many books still did not make it in. There were at least 50 to 100 Gospels that, uh, that they had to choose from, and they are still discovering them today. Like the Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. So there are a lot of different gospels that are that are out there, but they just didn't consider it to be authoritative um, for their canon or whatnot. So um, I, I took a class a few months ago called the Survey of the Gospels, and this point was in there on why they chose just four gospels. So the Church Father Irenaeus offers one answer against um, heresy or against the reason why he only chose four books in the Bible, uh, four, four gospels. Um, since there are four zones in the world, which we live and four principal winds, while the church is scattered throughout all the world and the pillar and ground of the church is the gospel and the spirit of life. It is fitting that she should, um, have four pillars breathing out and immortality on every side and vivifying men afresh. So this is kind of part of his quote on why he chose four, because there's four wins, four this, four this. So he just said, just shows four gospels or whatever. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, point uh, that he, why he chose four, four, uh, four gospels. Okay, and we are almost done. We got one more slide after this. So um, let me go back to my notes here. Let's see here. So because, because um, they had the canon of scripture by at least like 400 AD, if you were caught reading any other book that was outside of the, the canon, um, you, you could be punished by law, punishable up to death. But Christians, they had all types of books, such as, like I mentioned, the Gospel of Thomas. Um, and I uh, mentioned why they eliminated it, because it kind of gave a different picture of Jesus Christ than the picture that Paul gave or whatnot. So um, the the so how did 
the Pauline letters get into the New Testament Bible before the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so uh, the letters of Paul, they were more credible than the gospels. The early church fathers, such as Ignatius, Polycarp, and Justin Martyr, um, were instructed to follow closely to the writings of Paul. Okay, so uh, let me get my so um, in fact, the first stages of the New Testament canon um, has enjoyed authority even during the New Testament days of Scripture. The Pauline letters seem to have been collected and circulated among the early Apostle Church, Apostolic Church. Um, so we really don't have any internal evidence in the Bible um, that the Gospels were written and circulated among the Apostolic Church, but we are certain that the Gospels, the Book of Acts and general um, epistles, and even the Book of Revelation was written, like I said, by the end of the Apostolic Age of 100 AD. So the tradition and the evidence we have is all external. So that's why it's important to know about the early church fathers because they talk about, um, about, about Paul and about how the letters were authoritative and put in, in the book or whatnot. Um, let's see here. Oh, okay. One more uh, quote. So, um, and also you can see some of the early church fathers mentioned in scriptures, like in the book of um, Philippians, Paul mentions Clement. Um, he says, um, I didn't put the slide up, but it, he says, and do true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared in my struggle and the cause of gospel together with Clement and also the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he mentions one of his followers and also Clement, he wrote to the, um, the church of Corinth as well. So we only know of first and second Corinthians, but Clement also wrote two other letters to Corinthians. So there's like, you know, Corinthians, uh, the, the third book, I mean the, yeah, first, first, second, third, and fourth Corinthians out there. Um, so the order of the epistles, there's no real reason why the letters are in that order that they're in. They're in that order because of the size of the content. So Romans is the largest epistle, first and second Corinthians is next, and then so forth. Okay, so that's kind of, um, okay, so that's kind of like, just kind of give you a brief overview of the New Testament. I mean, of the New Testament, a little bit more than what the book is giving you. So any questions or concerns or anything, or anything that I said is kind of like, oh, I didn't know that, or something that was interesting, what have you. So we're good with that? Are you like able to access some of the writings that didn't make it in the letters or the Yes, yes you can. You can see Clement's letters actually. I mean, Google is life. And um, you, you can Google like Clement and Corinthian church and you'll see their letters. If you Google any of the early church fathers, you can see a lot of their writings. Like I said, um, you can see the, the doctrine of Trinity and all the other things that they've written about. Yep, it's out there. Okay, that was also my question I was going to ask. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. And all of those writings are out there, so um, it's it very interesting just to read or whatnot, just to see 
you know, because they, they were eyewitnesses of the apostles. They were right there with them. So they were um, a part of the apostles teaching daily teachings. So they have some, some things to say, but it was a group of people that decided that their teachings weren't authoritative enough to put in the book. So you can read it just for history's sake or whatnot. Yep. Anything else? Okay, cool beans. I know I threw out a lot and um, the notes are in the Dropbox and I'll have paper notes tomorrow as well. Um, some people ask me for questions just to keep them like on track, um, like writing assignments and things like that. So I will have that as well. If anybody wants, <laughs> anybody wants to write an assignment, um, I will, I can give you that. And also, if you didn't know in the back of the books that we have, they have chapter questions back there. So if you want to just, um, just go over the questions just for comprehension sake. So the information can stick with you. You can do the questions. Um, you don't have to turn them in. Um, but if you want to, you can, but you don't have to. Um, and also I will send out the questions that I have as well, like the little pop quizzes and things like that. If you just want to have them just to keep yourself abreast and things like that, I can pass that out too. So um, I think that's it. Anything else? We're good? Mm -hmm. Hey man, my voice is going in and out. So it's just time me to go, time me to lay down probably. So, all right, I am going to pray and close this class out. And um, I thank you all for, for uh, coming on the class and kicking it with me on, <laughs> in this book. Um, it's not hard, but it is a lot of work or whatnot. And I believe and I trust that you all can, can do the work. And this work here can really help you build a solid foundation when it comes to studying other topics in the Bible. So this is kind of just laying the foundation. When I took this class the first time, it really opened my eyes to the Bible is just not the Bible. Like it is a book of scriptures, it's an authoritative book. It went through a strenuous process and we have what we have, you know, and I, it made me appreciate the Bible even more and even open up my eyes to other scriptures that were out there or whatnot. And it's just, um, make sure you're just handling it, handling the scriptures with discernment and with care, especially those that are not in, their, in our canon. So um, just knowing that a lot of the scriptures out there are just for history's sake, not for instructions or things like that. Our instructions come from the epistles and so things like that. So I just want to make sure if you're buying, I saw a lot of people buying different Bibles like the Orthodox Bible and all that stuff. So I want to make sure that you all guys know that a lot of those books are just for his, history's sake. It fills in a lot of gaps. It kind of fattens your your um, learning and fattens the teaching. Um, so I don't want you all be out here because it says in the book of Maccabees to pray to the dead, that you're out here praying to the dead. Not supposed <laughs> to do that. Okay, Catholics do that, we don't. So <laughs> I don't want you all doing that, okay? So, <laughs> so I want you all to know that it's just his for history's sake, okay? All right, and I see mm. uh, the overseer uh, approving that. <laughs> proving that point so <laughs> so amen all Everybody right from wakanda and they talk to the dead right right no see that's why i never 
uh, claim Wakanda. It just didn't sit well with my soul. So <laughs> y'all go ahead and represent Wakanda if you want. That that movie didn't sit well with my soul. <laughs> so, uh, amen. Sorry, let me pray out. <laughs> So, uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for allowing us to get together and to learn more about your word, Father. I pray, oh God, that something was said tonight will spark an interest to continue to, um, to learn more about you, God, to allow them to, um, to uh, read their Bible more, pick up even external sources, um, books out there to um, broaden their, uh, their peripheral, God. So we thank you, God, that... Um, for the process that the Bible has went through and the fact that even through four to 6,000 years that the Bible is still together. The Bible um, is still a solid word. Nothing can tear down your word. Nothing can tear down your principles. Nothing can tear down your precepts, God. So we thank you, oh God, that you are an all-seeing, all-knowing, all-sufficient God. We thank you, oh God, um, that you still rule and reign, even when man wanted to tear it apart, oh God. But God, you um, made a way for us to, to find the scriptures and hidden places and things like that and to know more about you. We thank you, oh God, that you allowed us to even peek into your infinite wisdom, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that you saw us fit, oh God, to even know more about you, God where you could have pushed us away, God, and rejected us because we were not a part of the, that we're not Israel, um, Israelites, oh God. But we thank you for your plan of salvation, oh God, that you allowed us to be engrafted in, God, and that we are take, um, partakers, God, of your word and of your promises, God. So we lift you up and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, you guys have a good night. I will see you all tomorrow. Good night. Good night.